ladies and gentlemen, recording from Los Angeles, California. Welcome to another edition of the one and only podcast known to the world as Sean's Sports Stop, where Sean Tiplitsky gives his unique opinion on the biggest news stories in sports. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to my podcast. This is episode number 238. Bruce Buffer, legendary UFC ring announcer, just did the intro. Um, he's done it, you know, I got the recording from him. He was nice enough to do it for me. So a lot of the recent episodes have him introducing. So what he told you was that I'm going to cover the biggest news in sports and give my unique opinion, on, and that is true. But what he did not tell you is that I'm also going to cover the news results and future matchups of the LA sports teams. Uh, so the stories that I'm going to be covering today include Max Scherzer being against the pitch against the pitch clock, Kyrie Irving not seeing any team beating the Boston Celtics in seven games, number 10 Michigan State beating number seven Michigan, the Philadelphia Phillies owner being optimistic about a deal for Bryce Harper being made, J.D. Martinez saying that free, the free agency situation is embarrassing for the MLB, NFL Network reporting that there is no clear top quarterback in the upcoming NFL, NFL draft. The New York Yankees and Aaron Hicks agreeing to a seven-year, $70 million contract extension. The Los Angeles Dodgers being back in the mix for Bryce Harper. Zion Williamson missing another game, this time versus Virginia Tech. Gonzaga being ranked the, number one, the new number one team in the country by the AP poll. And Jason Tatum saying that he would play for anyone. The Baltimore Ravens cutting Michael Crabtree. Chris Bryant going at the MLB for their the way that uh, prospects are handled. Colin Kaepernick reportedly discussing potentially playing for the XFL. The Memphis Grizzlies beating the Los Angeles Lakers as their struggles continue. And LeBron James saying that the Los Angeles Lakers need to handle distractions. Before I get into all that, I want to say every episode of my podcast, 1 through 237, which does not include guest interviews, are available on every podcast platform. That includes iTunes and Spotify. Uh, visit my website at seansportsup.com for access to all episodes, to see which famous athletes I have interviewed, and to read the articles that I've written under the My Blog page. And the last thing that I want to say is, um, obviously, all feedback is appreciated, positive, and especially negative. And if you enjoy the podcast, the best the best way to... Let me know that you enjoy it and want me to keep making more episodes. Just to leave a five star review on iTunes and uh, you know write a little review, it helps me out a lot. So without further ado, let's get down to it. First story has to do with baseball. First topic of discussion. So one of the best pitchers in all of Major League Baseball, the best, one of the best at what he does, um, is vehemently against the use of a pitch clock as an attempt to speed up the game. Per ESPN.com, uh, Washington Nationals ace Max Scherzer explained why he is, quote, fundamentally against the idea of forcing pitchers to throw the ball within a certain time parameter. He said, quote, I know as players that's something that MLB is trying to negotiate. I don't think there's negotiation here. As players, it just shouldn't be in the game. Having a pitch clock if you have ball strike implications, that's messing with the fabric of the game. There's no clock in baseball, there's no clock in baseball and there's no clock in baseball for a reason. MLB this year implemented a 20-second pitch clock during spring training games. Per the league's announcement, the application of the clock will have three phases. At first, the clock uh, was introduced to familiarize pl and players and umpires with it. This week, umpires will issue a reminder to pitchers and hitters who take more than 20 seconds allotted between pitches. Depending on the results of negotiations with the MLB Players Association, umpires, quote, later in spring training could enforce ball strike penalties to players who violate the rule. For a 2017 article, SB Nation's Grant Brisby watched one MLB game from 1984 and another one from 2014 to figure out why the more recent one lasted 37 minutes longer. He said, quote, or he wrote, quote, I should say, time between pitches is the primary villain. That's it. That's the secret. It just, it isn't just the commercials. It isn't just the left-handed pitchers coming in to face 
one batter even though that absolutely makes a huge difference in the games when that does happen. It's not like every at-bat in the 2014 game was rotten with hitters doing a no Mark Garcia Parra impression between pitches either. It was a marked difference in the modern players doing absolutely nothing of note. The batter taking an extra breath before he steps back in, the pitcher holding the ball for an extra beat. The average nine-inning game has been at least three hours and four over the past five seasons per baseball reference. Scherzer is a member of the MLB Players Association executive board, giving him a prominent seat at the table during negotiations about the pitch clock. His lack of support for the issue could force the two sides to find a compromise. And, you know, this is a very interesting topic of debate because, um, you know, if you're the MLB, you want your sport to be popular. You want people to tune in. You want to be on the same level of basketball and football, the NBA and the NFL. So having these really long games when a lot of times they're not very action-packed, like how basketball and football could be, uh, having these really long games and then viewing that as a problem and then kind of finding a somewhat solution of implementing a pitch clock that seems like they're treading in the right direction. But then that kind of hurts the players because you have guys like Scherzer who is so against it. And my ultimately, my opinion on this is even if it would help the MLB as an organization, I don't think they should do it if it hurts the players because let's say Scherzer all of a sudden isn't the pitcher, just by a little bit, isn't the pitcher that he used to be. That's something that could have been completely avoided if the pitch clock wasn't there. And you may be thinking, well, how is a you know, 20-second time limit going to affect that? His whole, his whole routine his, that, that he was using his whole life, his whole rhythm, the things he's used to doing, that's going to be all changed. It's going to be all you know, gone. So that's my stance on that. So now switching gears to the NBA, the Celtics have done a lot of talking. And have they been backing it up? The, the 37 and 23 Boston Celtics lost uh, 126 to 116 to the 16 and 44 Chicago Bulls on Saturday, despite 37 points and 10 assists from point guard Kyrie Irving. So he has a right to talk because he obviously, uh, you know, put up the numbers after the game. Boston's floor general, man, floor general, and clearly their best player said he still believes that no team can beat the Celtics in a seven-game playoff series. Of course, one bad outing against an inferior opponent doesn't spell doom for a whole season, and Boston has shown an ability to hang with pretty much any team in the NBA. The Celtics were also one game away from making the NBA Finals last season, despite missing Irving for the entire playoffs and Gordon Hayward for all but five minutes in the season opener. But then with all those, with Kyrie and Gordon Hayward back, are they not as good as they were last season? That's a very interesting question that I don't really have an answer to. But the Celtics have lost four of their last six and sometimes played down to the level of their opponents. Of note, they've dropped games to the New York Knicks and Phoenix Suns, who are last in the Eastern Conference and Western Conferences, respectively. The oddsmakers don't share Irving's optimism, as the Celtics carry 15-1 to odds to win the NBA Finals per Vegas Insider. The Warriors, at a dominant 2-5, to Milwaukee Bucks and Toronto Raptors at 10-1 to each, are ahead of them. The Philadelphia 76ers are also listed as 15-1. to So, you know, I like Kyrie's confidence. I- I love Kyrie as a player. I love Kyrie as a person. He's he's very well spoken. He's very nice. He's a very nice guy. He's, very, he's a pleasure to listen to. But sometimes he just doesn't know when to stop talking, when to stop making claims, when to stop being in the headlines. He probably just likes the attention, and a lot of people do. I can't blame him for that. Um, I do to a certain extent. Probably not as much as he does, but I do as well. I mean, after all, I wouldn't be giving you guys my opinion if I didn't like the attention. If you really think about it. But, I mean, now it doesn't seem like, going back to Kyrie and the Celtics situation, this doesn't seem like the best time uh, to claim that they don't that he doesn't think any team can beat them in a seven-game series after losing to the Chicago Bulls, you know, after recently losing to the Suns and the Knicks. I mean, I don't know. Would I take the Celtics over the Warriors, Bucks, Rockets, Raptors, 76ers? I don't know. Probably, 
I would probably say no to all those teams at the moment, to be honest with you. So, you know, the Celtics have done a lot of talking. Tatum said they're going to win the championship this year. So they, they've been talking and talking. Now let's see if they can walk the walk. So we are now going to be walking to college basketball. So in the battle for Michigan, the Spartans came out on top. Michigan State, who is now 23-5 and overall and 14-3 and in the Big Ten, topped Michigan 77-70 on Sunday, moving to the top of the Big Ten in the process. Cassius Winston had 27 points, 8 assists, and Kenny Goins, who had 16 points and 11 rebounds, led the way for the Spartans, while Xavier Simpson chipped in 19 points and 5 rebounds for the Wolverines. Uh, so huge win for Michigan State. You know, they were number 10. Michigan was number 7. Michigan State is proving that they're legit. I mean, any team that's, you know, in the top 10 of the country is legit. But I think that Michigan was heavily favored. They were a team that people were talking about that, you know, they should be the number one team in the country. Uh, you know, when Duke kind of fell off for a little bit. But Michigan State, you know, that's a pretty big statement win. So now switching gears back to the MLB. Philadelphia Phillies owner John Middleton's attempts to reel in free agent Bryce Harper by flying to Las Vegas for a face-to-face -face meeting came to an end without any deal done. Middleton flew back to his home in Florida on Saturday after meeting with Harper and agent Scott Boras per Matt Breen of the Philadelphia Inquirer. Even though the two sides did not finalize any kind of contract, Breen noted the Phillies, quote, feel optimistic about signing Harper and that one reason Middleton stayed longer than intended is because both sides were still in negotiations. ESPN's Buster only later reported that contract talks between the Phillies and Harper could be, quote, resolved by Tuesday. It is currently Monday night, I should add. USA Today's Bob, Bob Nightingale previously reported there is, quote, optimism that Harper and the Phillies will finalize a 10-year deal by Monday afternoon, which hasn't happened because it is currently 10.44 p.m. Pacific time on Monday night. Um, Nightingale noted Middleton didn't want to leave Las Vegas without securing a commit commitment from Harper, and that's exactly what happened. He went back to Florida, no commitment from Harper. Harper's camp was also negotiating with two other teams, and there were, quote, more to follow after Middleton flew out to meet with the 2015 National League MVP. This is according to John Heyman of MLB Network. The San Diego Padres, Philadelphia Phillies, San Francisco Giants, Washington Nationals, and Chicago White Sox have all been the teams most frequently, most frequently linked to Harper in the offseason. So in an interview with NBC Sports Washington on Friday, Nationals owner Mark Lerner indicated Harper wouldn't be returning to the team. He said, quote, nothing certainly changed on our end, Lerner said. We've moved on. As I said back then, and we had to, there was no way we could we could wait around. Bryce, I'm sure, will make his decision hopefully in the next few days, but we filled out our roster, and like I, and like I said, we wish him nothing but the best. Heyman added some teams involved in negotiations with Harper have said his asking price for a deal is in the 350 to $360 million range. So that would by far eclipse, you know, John Carlos Stanton's of $325 million record contract. Um, there's going to be a more, on, more on Harper soon. I still have a gut feeling that he's going to go to the Chicago Cubs, even though they have not been in the rumors at all. But I'm sticking by my original belief. So transitioning now to more, more MLB. Uh, more uh, more backlash by the players. No, not backlash, but I guess it kind of is. So Boston Red Sox designated hitter J.D. Martinez did not sign his deal with the reigning World Series champions until spring training last year. And he's not surprised this offseason's market is, going, um, is moving at a slow pace again. Martinez was asked if he thought the market would move in a similar fashion this year and called free agency, quote, embarrassing for baseball per Rob Bradford of WEEI. So he said, quote, 100%. I knew it was why I knew it was. 
Why wouldn't it? They got away with it last year, and why wouldn't they do it again? What's going to happen? Nothing. It's embarrassing for baseball. It really is. It's really embarrassing for the game. You have a business. They say the market is down. The market is changing. The market is higher than it's ever been. People are making more money than ever, and they're trying to suppress it. It's more of a race towards the bottom now than a race towards the top. You can go right now through everyone's lineup, and you already know who's going to be in the playoffs. What's the fun in that? We might as well just fast forward to the end of the season. Martinez went on to say, quote, losing is incentivized now when pointing out there are fewer teams fighting for free agents as many notable players remained unsigned with spring training underway. Quote, you have 80% of the teams trying to lose. His comments come after Bryce Harper or with, I should say, with Bryce Harper, Dallas Keuchel and Craig Kimbrell among those who have not signed with the team. Although um, San Diego Padres got Manny Machado, obviously, as I've covered extensively. Maury Brown of... Um, or Martinez is not the only one to criticize what is happening around the league. As recently, I covered Houston Astros A's Justin Verlander calling the system, quote, broken, while reigning National League MVP Christian Yelich criticized, quote, anti-player rhetoric. Um, so that's the latest, you know, most of the players you can tell not offended the free agency. Very slow, hot stove, very cold, hot stove, I should say. Not much of a hot stove at all other than the Manny Machado signing. It seems like Harper's going to sign very soon. We'll see. Craig Kimbrell, Dallas Keiko, those are all big time guys. So hopefully it can pick up. So now switching gears to the NFL. The only certainty is uncertainty when it comes to the 2019 NFL draft group. Tom Pelissero of NFL Network reported Monday that any of the top quarterbacks in the class, including Kyler Murray, Dwayne Haskins, Drew Locke, and Daniel Jones, could ultimately be the first one off the board in April. Pelissero said opinions are even fractured within organizations about which direction to go. Haskins and Murray have been widely viewed as the likeliest quarterbacks to come off the board early. Haskins has the top spot on most draft expert big boards, while Murray is the wild card who could shift the entire draft. Um, that's the latest. I mean, this is a pretty weak draft class, I'm not going to lie. So... You know, Kyler Murray, he, a lot of risk with him. Dwayne Haskins, I don't know if these guys are ready for the next level, to be honest. Trevor Lawrence and Tua Tagovailoa are the two guys that I would tank for, to be honest. The two guys that I'm, I'll be waiting to pick up if I was uh, the GM of an NFL team. So now going back to more MLB, lots of MLB on this episode. The New York Yankees and outfielder Aaron Hicks agreed to a seven-year, $70 million contract extension the club announced on Monday. So... The Yankees tweeted, quote, the New York Yankees today announced that they have signed outfielder Aaron Hicks to a seven-year contract extending it through the 2025 season with a club option for the 2026 season. This contract replaces his one-year contract for 2019 that was announced on January 11th. Jack Curry of, U of Yes Network first reported the agreement saying, quote, or tweeting, quote, just bumped into Aaron Hicks outside the clubhouse. He's smiling widely and accepting congrats from several people. Hicks, who's 29 years old, has spent the last three seasons with the Yankees. He was set to become an unrestricted free agent at the end of the 2019 season. So this is a great move for him. He's making $10 million a year, playing for the New York Yankees, probably the most historic franchise in all of baseball, one of the most valuable sports teams in the world. You know, $70 million contract, playing on a great team in New York. Uh, I'm really happy for him, to be honest. And um, he's been a productive player for the Yankees. I don't think they overpaid him. So I think it's a great move for everyone involved. So I promised you there would be more on Bryce Harper, and I'm about to deliver. So the Philadelphia Phillies appear to have some major market competition for Bryce Harper. Jesse Sanchez of, of MLB.com reported the Los Angeles Dodgers have worked their way, quote, back in the mix for Harper with manager Dave Roberts among, among a group of front office executives who went to Las Vegas on Saturday to meet with Bryce Harper. The Dodgers were thought to be a favorite for Harper after, after they traded Yasiel Puig and Matt Kemp to the Cincinnati Reds earlier this offseason. But, you know, all of that was kind of put to bed after they signed A.J. Pollock. John Heyman of MLB Network reported the Dodgers are one of five teams interested in signing Harper, though, quote, the situation is fluid, so that number could um, change. 
Uh, Heyman categorized the Dodgers' interest as a, quote, surprise, and their late entry could make them a, quote, major threat to a race that looked to be in the Philadelphia Phil- between the Philadelphia Phillies and everyone else. So, you know, that's, um, as a Dodger fan, I just want to say I was he- heavily, cr- very critical of Bryce Harper, especially of the idea of him coming to the Dodgers. I said he's heavily overrated. I said he's not a very good hitter. said many things that I'm, I can't say I'm starting to re- regret them. But I can say that under the circumstance, I would definitely welcome, uh, not that my opinion, I mean, everyone's opinion matters, but, you know, Bryce Harper, whether I welcome him to the team or not, you know, he's going to make his decision regardless of what the hell I say. But I'm, a, I'm a, personally, from my own opinion is I'm a lot more um, kind of welcoming for him to the team because the more I think about it, the more I'm upset about the fact that the Los Angeles Dodgers made two straight World Series appearances. They lost in 2017 to the Astros and this past year to the Red Sox. 2018, I said this as well. This was a season that I was not even upset about because a couple of games here and there and, um, you know, the Dodgers wouldn't win the division. They had to go to a game 163 against the Rockies and then they would have to end up playing in the NL wildcard game in Chicago in a game seven matchup, you know, and they ended up making it all the way to the World Series, taking out the Braves, um, the Brewers and ultimately falling to the Red Sox. But 2017 was, was, was a year that they should have won it. So maybe Bryce Harper, and I also wrote an article, you should check it out on my website, about why the Lakers and Dodgers need to make a big move right now. And that was at the time when there was the possibility of the Lakers trading for Anthony Davis. I said the, the Dodgers should trade either for Corey Kluber, JT Romuto, or both of them, and or sign Bryce Harper on top of that. Actually, I'm not sure if I mentioned Harper in that, but def- I definitely said that they should trade for Kluber, or Romuto, or both of them. And yeah, I mean... It's tough. It's really tough because Harper, he's, he's, he is overrated, that's for sure. But, you know, he might consider a short-term deal with the Dodgers with a high AAV, you know, possibly breaking Zach Greinke's record of $34 million a year. And if we could get him for like two, three to four years, I'm, per, I'm cool with that. I don't really want him for 10 years, to be honest. But if he, if he would help us win now, I'm all for it, to be honest. So switching gears now back to college basketball. Duke superstar forward Zion Williamson will not play in Tuesday night's matchup against Virginia Tech, according to Stephen Weissman of the Herald Sun. He's recovering from a knee sprain that he suffered in a loss to North Carolina, and that is the latest. Transitioning to even more college basketball, there is a new team ranked number one. So Zion Williamson's injury caused Duke its rivalry matchup with North Carolina and the nation's number one ranking. Gonzaga ascended to the top spot in the latest men's Associated Press poll, with the Blue Devils dropping to number three on Monday. Virginia leapfrogged its ACC competitor to take the second spot, with number four Kentucky and number five North Carolina rounding out the top five. There is your latest. So, um, covering some more NBA, Jason Tatum has been outspoken recently, and he has not stopped that. Finding himself in Anthony Davis' trade rumors, Boston Celtics star Jason Tatum is not going to let the outside noise become a distraction. His only focus is hooping. He said, quote, I'll play basketball anywhere, Tatum told Champs Journey of The Athletic. I'll play for whoever wants me. That's my job. I know I can't control any of that stuff, so I'm not going to lose sleep over it. Trade talk doesn't bother me. I play f- I'll play. play for anyone. With the rumors swirling last month, Tatum pointed out that it's, quote, it's good to be wanted per mass live. Noting that he has no control of the situation, the second-year player understands the NBA is a business. In fact, he previously admitted that he would trade himself for Anthony Davis. And that's, you know, that's pretty funny, to be honest. But I really, I really like, I don't know much about Tatum because I'm a Laker fan. So I'm never really keen on, you know, finding out more about Jason Tatum. Um, we have Kyle Kuzma, who I like even more than Jason Tatum. But that's a whole different debate. 
what I'm going to say here is I love his attitude. That's the way players should, you know, they should be outspoken about their beliefs, but they shouldn't be divas and things like that or do things that are perceived as being a diva like Antonio Brown, Jason Tatum. This is a very, very mature, nice thing to say. The guy's in his early 20s. Um, you know, that's that's pretty rare to come across nowadays. He said he would play for anyone that wants me. He said it's good to be wanted. He even said he would trade himself for Anthony Davis. So pretty awesome that Tatum seems that mature. So now switching gears to more NFL. The Baltimore Ravens will reportedly release veteran wide receiver Michael Crabtree on Monday, according to Adam Schefter of ESPN. The move will clear up $4.6 million of cap space for the Ravens, according to Michael Giannini of SpotTrack, but they will still have a dead cap hit of nearly $4.7 million on their books. He may not be the only player moving on from Baltimore this offseason, per Greg Rosenthal of NFL.com. So Rosenthal tweeted, quote, Crabtree released just one move in a tricky offseason for new GM Eric DaCosta. Uh, Jimmy Smith plus Weddle could be cut. Mosley sucks. Zadarius Smith and John Brown are free, free agents. Wide receiver position is so thin. Crabtree, who is now 31 years old, caught 54 passes for 607 yards and three touchdowns in 2018 for the Ravens. His worst uh, season since he played in only five games during the 2013 season. For his career, he's he's been great. I mean, 633. He caught 633 passes for 7,477 yards and 54 touchdowns with the 49ers, Raiders, and Ravens. So he's a he's a great player, just uh, kind of falling off. Father time is undefeated, and hopefully he'll find another place to play. Now going back to more MLB. So Chicago Cubs star Chris Bryant voices voiced the frustrations of many MLB fans when he criticized the ongoing trend of service time manipulation by teams with the game's top prospects. The Athletics' Shadev Sharma shared Bryant's thoughts about the practice. Quote, it's awful, so awful. It's going to happen this year and it happens every year. I could understand if you go out and have a rough spring training where you don't look ready, but there's certain people who put the time and the effort into the offseason so that they do show up to spring training and they prove that they're ready to go. I feel like you should be rewarded for that. Bryant added that the custom is within the rules under the collective bargaining agreement, but that is, but it, but that is tantamount to exploiting a, quote, loophole. Bryant made his debut on April 17, 2015 in the Cubs' ninth game of the season. He almost certainly would have made the Chicago's opening day roster if the team hadn't been focused on preserving an extra year of team control down the line. Bryant is far from the only player who experienced that, though. Glaber Torres and Ronald Acuna Jr. Went through, went through that, and it's very unfortunate. It's definitely a loophole. The MLB should change that, in my opinion, but, man, the MLB is dealing with a lot of issues right now. The pitch clock, uh, the free agency drama... Uh, Chris Bryant calling them out on, handled the, on how prospects are handled, so lots. Now switching gears to football, not the NFL, but football. Former San Francisco 49ers quarterback Colin Kaepernick talked with XFL executives last fall about possibly playing for the league when it reboots in 2020. According to Sporting News' is Michael McCarthy. McCarthy notes Kaepernick was seeking at least $20 million to play in the XFL. That's a steep ask given McCarthy reported that the league is looking to pay starting quarterbacks $250,000 per season. The development comes after Barry Wilner of the Associated Press reported earlier this month that the Alliance of American Football, which debuted on February 9th, sought to sign the controversial quarterback. Per Wilner, Kaepernick was seeking $20 million from that startup league as well. Um, so that's the latest on Cap. Seems like he's all about the money now, and um, he deserves it. I mean, he's been out. He's been voicing his opinion of whether I agree with it or whether anyone agrees or disagrees with it. He stands up for what he believes in, and that's definitely a lot more than a lot of people can say that they do. So now back to the NBA. Took a couple Lakers stories to close out the big news section of this episode. The Los Angeles Lakers' path to the playoffs gets more dire with every loss, and they look and they took a bad one Monday against the struggling Memphis Grizzlies. Memphis snapped a four-game losing streak with a 110-105 victory over LeBron James and Co. at the FedEx Forum. 
The Lakers are not just 4-10 in their last 14 games and have lost four straight uh, road games in a, in a row following a dramatic win over the Boston Celtics on February 7th. Mike Conley led the way for the Grizzlies with 30 points and 5 assists, while Jonas Valanciunas added a double-double with 20 points and 13 boards. LeBron James finished with 24 points, 12 rebounds, and 11 assists for the purple and gold, and became the first player in NBA history to rank in the top 10 all-time points and assists by, pos- by, passing Andrew, uh, by passing Andre Miller in career dimes. That, along with uh, 32 points from Ingram and 22 from Kuzma, still was not enough for the win. And now we have comments from LeBron James on what he said. Um... Following the loss to the Grizzlies, another tough loss, a loss that should have been avoided. So uh, Ben Gulliver of the Washington Post shared comments provided to Spectrum Sportsnet in which James said in part, quote, if you're still allowing distractions to affect the way you play, this is the wrong franchise to be a part of. And you should just come in and be like, listen, I can't do this. Um, That's LeBron. I mean, I agree with him. But at the same time, you know, he's been putting in effort, obviously, but he needs to be, I think, a little bit... um, just a little bit nicer, not as publicly outspoken on his teammates, focus, focus on dealing with the, the, their problems internally. And I still think the Lakers will make the playoffs. But you know, now switching gears to the L.A. sports teams. So, yeah, I mean, so uh, the Lakers, man, they are now 29-31. and 31. They fall to 11th in the Western Conference. They will look to bounce back as they uh, look for their revenge against the New Orleans Pelicans. Um this Wednesday, February 27th at 7.30 p.m. Pacific time, back in L.A. The game's going to be on ESPN. I wonder if Anthony Davis will play in that. The Clippers keep winning, even though, you know, they might not want to make the playoffs. Who knows what they want to do? They beat the, the Mavericks 121-112. to 112. They're now 34-28. and 28. Mavericks are 26-34. and 34. Clippers are now 7th in the Western Conference, and they will look to keep their winning ways going as they take on the Utah Jazz this uh, Wednesday, February 27th at 6 p.m. Pacific time. Taking a look at the NBA standings, the Lakers are now 11th in the West. At 29-31, and 3-7 in their last 10, two straight losses. Um, tied with the Timberwolves, though, for 10th. And they are four or three games out of the last playoff spot as the Spurs uh, have lost three straight as well. So I still see the Lakers making the playoffs. But I think it's... You know what? I don't think it's imperative uh, for the Lakers to get the seventh seed to avoid a matchup with the Golden State Warriors. I said that for two reasons. One is the Lakers gave the Warriors the work... Uh, throughout the season you could watch the games if you don't believe me i'm not going to go into any more detail and two is let's say the, currently the warriors are first in the west at 43 and 17 but the nuggets are only a game and a half back of them at second uh both teams are seven and three in their last 10 the nuggets have won four straight though um so man that's cr- i'm just looking at the records the nuggets are 15 and 14 on the road so only one more win on the road than loss but they are 26 and 4 in 30 games at home that's ridiculous so in the playoffs you know they'll have to win some road games but anyway so let's say the nuggets pass the warriors uh and that the warriors finish as the two seed in the west and the lakers climb up to seven that means that even though the lakers got to seven they still play the warriors so what i'm saying is it's not necessarily imperative to get the seven seed i think it's you know, if the goal is to avoid the Warriors, to be honest. So now the LA Kings, they lost today to the Tampa Bay Lightning, 4-3 in the shootout. Now 23-32-7 on the season, while Lightning are 48-11-4. Uh, the Lightning are now the fastest team in NHL history to reach 100 points. The Kings now have now lost eight straight games after a pretty good-sized winning streak. They will look to bounce back tomorrow at 4 p.m. Pacific time against the Carolina Hurricanes. Man, so many tough losses for the Kings. I mean, I, I'll go through this again. Their last win was a 3-2 win in the shootout against the Philadelphia Flyers on February 7th, which is a long time ago. 
Since then, they lost 5-4 to the Bruins in overtime, 6-4 to the Capitals, 4-3 to the Canucks in a shootout, 4-2 to the Bruins, 3-2 to the Capitals, 2-1 to the Predators, 6-1 to the Panthers, and 4-3 in the shootout to the Lightning. So only one uh, only one out of those eight games was a blowout or, a, you know, a not a close game, I should say. So pretty unfortunate. The Anaheim Ducks, they played today and they also lost. They lost 4-0 to the Vancouver Canucks. Canucks are now 27-28-8, and while the Ducks are 24-30-9. and Ducks will look to get back in the win column as they take on the Chicago Blackhawks at home this Wednesday, February 27th at 7 p.m. Pacific time. The game's going to be nationally broadcasted on NBC Sports Net. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is all we have for this episode of Sean Sports Up. Thank you guys so much for listening. And as always, until next time.